Hallelujah. Okay, so we're continuing on um, with our mini series um, concerning the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel, you know, and so we started this last week and we're going to wrap it up this week, seeing that it's only nine verses. Um, but we're going to do a recap. Amen. You know, so last week we learned how the term city can and does also speak to an eye-opening doctrine. A tower um, can um, could also speak to a pulpit. And so in the, uh, the city of Babel and the tower that was being built, we can we can we can and do see an eye-opening doctrine and its pulpit. You know, and so we went into that and you know we showed show how that was. Now we showed that the city Babel and its tower spoke to an eye-opening doctrine that promised eternal life within the kingdom of heaven. We also learned that this city and tower was built of brick instead of stones and slime or wickedness and um you know uh from uh, for mortar, you know, they use the slime, slime of uh, wickedness for mortar. Now, we spoke about how bricks are man-made and where stones, uh, where stones are Yahweh. So the bricks are man-made, where stones are Yahweh, you know, and, you know, we spoke about how, uh, we also touched on how Yahweh stones for building and how he always built with stones and never with bricks, even as we see here in first peter 2 5 where it speaks about us you know um the believers it says you yourselves as living stones um uh, kjv says lively stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to elohim through yahushua mashiach mm -hmm. and of course yahushua mashiach is our cornerstone is the cornerstone for the spiritual house that's being built you know, now take note, it didn't say spiritual bricks, hmm. but stones, you know, because bricks are man-made where stones are y'all-made. <clears throat> Amen? We got into how these bricks were made. That is uh, from what they was made from, which is the earth, which represents the flesh, and how they have been formed, fashioned, and pressed together uniformly, and how that process coincides with how our minds how the fle our flesh and our minds are likewise formed in fashion uni uniformly um, today via the schools and the churches and the media and the propaganda as a whole. Now, we also gave an example of modern day Babel and its tower, you know, and we, as the example, we utilize the prosperity gospel, which is an eye-opening gospel that says that you can actually you know, um, enter into the kingdom of heaven. You can you you can follow it into the kingdom of heaven. You know, and it's mega churches, which is its pulpit for that prosperity gospel. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, and so we got into that, and we went on to align Babel's um, eye-opening doctrine with the serpent's eye-opening doctrine found in the Garden of Eden story. And lastly, we align even the two with today's eye-opening prosperity gospel. And we spoke to how in all cases, they open the eyes to nothing but evil or wickedness. Mm. Mm. Lastly, 
we mentioned that one of Nimrod's objectives as king of Babel was to make a name, make a name for, for his kingdom and for his, his citizens, lest they be scattered. That is, make a character, authority, and reputation for his citizens. You know, that said, we didn't get a chance to get into what that character is. It is iniquity, lawlessness, you know, because it is congruent with not following Yah. It's, it's congruent, congruent with going against his name, his character, authority, and reputation. And this is how the God of Babel, that is the serpent, can spot his citizens. You know, he can spot his citizens simply by finding the ones who are disobeying Yah. Because he was the father of disobedience. He was the first one to disobey Yah. And then he was, he led the first people to disobey Yah. So he is the father of disobedience. You know, and so everyone that's disobedient that comes after him was birthed through his original disobedience. Can you see that? Yeah. You know, and so if you can see that, then, you know, he can easily spot those who are his because they're disobedient to Yah. Yeah. And he knows exactly where that stems from because he was the first to do it. <laughs> and likewise, Y'all knows exactly where that stems from, you know? So when God of Babel see one with a lawless or sinful character, which is granted up under his authority, you know, that, and make no mistake about it, you know, because he's the father of it, that's granted up under his authority. And that is, you know, uh, that is always going to go back and be attributed to him, you know, in some way, shape, form, or fashion. You know, now he says that you can enter into the kingdom of heaven regardless of the righteousness of Yahuwah Elohim. He says that all that's needed is allegiance to himself as God. That is what he teaches. You know, like you can get into the kingdom, kingdom of heaven and you don't have to be, you know, um, righteous, you know, in the sense of righteousness of, of Yahuwah Elohim. You can follow me and I'll lead you into the kingdom, hmm. you know, and I will be your God, you know, I'll, and, and you, I'll be, I'll be your God and, and you, you'll be my, you'll be my, uh, my followers, you know, so hence their reputation is a reputation of wickedness. And so this is how we can find, you know, um, we can we can find the children of Babel as well as the God of Babel and Yahuwah. Everybody can find these citizens because they're disobedient. Amen. Amen. Now, Romans six sixteen teaches a teaches a very profound lesson. It says, "Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants." ye are to whom ye obey, whether sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. If you are not being righteous in accordance to the righteousness of Yahuwah, then you are not his servant. 
Can you understand that? You know, this is a very important concept to understand because you have so many people who actually teach that you don't have to obey Yah's word, which is preposterous. That's asinine, ridiculous. You know, it's just, you know, ludicrous. I, I don't, I, you know, I can't come up with the right term. You know, how are you going to get in trouble for actually doing what Yah said? You know, and they tell you you'll get in trouble for doing what he said, yeah. but for not, but you won't get in trouble for doing, going against what he said. And people fall for that. Why do they fall for that? It's because they're not his servants. That's it. That's it. That is the long and short of it. Because they're not his servants. Now, they can become his servants if they so choose, but they are not his servants. Hence, they are not up under his influence. For those who are up under the influence of Yahuwah, they are seeking to obey. But for those who are under the influence of, of the God of this world, they're seeking to obey him. Hence, we read in Ephesians 2, Verses two and three, it says, where in time, time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. See, there's a spirit that's working in the children of disobedience. It goes on to say, among whom also we had our conversation in times past. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. This is exactly what I was just saying. You know, how the children of disobedience, you know, go back to the God of disobedience, which is the God of this world, which is the prince or ruler of the power of the air. Also, let us consider uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6. Let me have my first reader read 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6, please. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of Elohim deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of Elohim. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Messiah, who is the image of Elohim, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Messiah Yahushua the Adonai, and ourselves your servants for Yahushua's sake. For Elohim, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Elohim in the face of Yahushua Messiah. Hallelujah. So, so you see, this is just, um, again, this is just like what I was speaking to, you know, in saying that, you know, those who are under the influence of, of the God of this world, you know, they can't see being obedient 
You know, because it is hid to them. Because the God of this world, whom they're serving, have blinded their minds so that they won't believe. Now, they still have a choice, and they still can, but they have to trust somebody other than the God of this world. They have to follow someone other than the God of this world. You know, now, also, I want you to, the, um, to see that the, the heart of the believer you know, the heart of the believer in, in verse two of second Corinthians four says, have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, walking, not walking in craftiness or nor handling the word deceitfully. You know, like a lot of the times when you're being dishonest, don't nobody know it, but you, you know, and, you know, but the, the saint has renounced the hidden things of dishonesty even though they know no one may know but them, that's enough for them not to do it. You know, because they believe that there's always someone else watching. Even Yah. Amen? You know, so, you know, yes. You are the servant of whom you obey. Rather sin unto death or righteousness unto life. Amen. You know, so definitely keep that in mind. Now, in Genesis 11, 4, you know, which is um, the verse we left off on, is the latter part of it says, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now, giving his citizens a name, you know, this is uh, uh, Nimrod, you know, uh, or the king of Babylon, if you would, giving his citizens a name that is an authority, character, and reputation, uh, you know, was King Nimrod's rebellion. Um, king Nimrod speaks to rebellion. And so this was his contingency plan. You know, um, it was to give them a character, authority, and reputation, you know, this was his continue, contingency plan to not lose the citizenship, even if they were scattered upon the face of the whole earth. So if they were scattered upon the face of the whole earth, you know, um, so he must have had some type of inclination that this was going to happen. Or maybe he was forewarned that it would happen if they continued along the path that they were on. And since he decided to continue on that path, you know, he, he knew that Yah was going to keep his word. So he came up with a contingency plan, lest that happen, you know, and that was by giving his citizens a name, giving them a, an authority, character, and reputation so that he can always find them, you know. Uh, Genesis 11.5 says, and Yahuwah came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built it. And Yahuwah said, behold, the people is one. And they have all one language. And this is they, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go, go to, let us go down and there come and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So Yahuwah scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, it's the name of it called Babel. 
because Yahuwah did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did Yahuwah scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. Hmm. You know, now from this, we deduce that the determining factor for people to do anything they imagine is simply to become united under one order or reign hmm. without language barriers thereby enabling the greatest minds to work together. And if they were to do so, they can bring about their wildest imaginations. Mm. This is basically what we're being told here. I mean, mm. you know, and, you know, this is huge, mm -hmm. you know, uh, because, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, I guess. All right. Oh, I got another slide. Take note that Nimrod marked his citizenship with his name. His name, which means rebellion. Hmm. He marked it, his citizenship with, with rebellion, hmm. you know, because he was a rebeller to Yah, you know. And, but Yah marked him with another name, hmm. even Babel mm -hmm. or confusion. Hmm. And just so that you know, Babel in Hebrew is Babel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that wasn't hard, was it? You know? <laughs> that was real deep, right? No. <laughs> but in Greek, it's Babylon. Mm -hmm. You know, and so this is why you 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 read about Babylon. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but here. Y'all marked them with the name Babel. Mm. So Yah saying is telling us, like Nimrod and the serpent, which is Nimrod, which is the king of Babylon, and the serpent, which is the god of Babylon, they're looking for the rebellious so that they'll know that they're where their citizens are. But Yah says, no. He says, he marks them in a different way. He says, they're confused. He says they're, they're confused. See, some of them, some of them aren't rebellious. They're just confused. And so he wants to save those that are confused and do away with those who are truly rebellious. Amen. Amen. So let us consider some of the characteristics that mark these people. For instance, they are plain or valley dwellers, meaning they're always down. They're always depressed in despair or damned. Hmm. And it's from here they began to build, which is confusing seeing that they wanted to build a tower that would reach the heavens. One would think that they began building from a high point, not a low point. Hmm. Why would you go to the lowest point on earth to build the highest tower on earth. Confused. Confused, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, they obviously confused, you know? You know, it would make more sense to start atop a mountain, the highest, the highest mountain. See, but that couldn't be because scripturally speaking, the mountains speak to the kingdom of Elohim, which they weren't in. You know, so, and because, you know, it teaches us, it tells us that they went away from Yah, remember? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
You know, they went away from the east. They went away from Yah and dwelt in this valley. You know, and whenever you go away from Yah, it's going to take you down. It's going to bring you to a depressed, a depressed state, a state of despair, a state of damnation. You know, so they got to this low point and they say, oh, all right. Well, we're going to get to the kingdom of um, heaven our way. We're going to start building, building us a tower from here to get there. Say la. Now, also note that Babel was the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom, but it wasn't the end. For he went on to extend his territory by building other cities. You know, and, you know, it's interesting because this is how um, Yah does things. When he brings something to an end, he grabs a remnant, and then he starts over again. Mm -hmm. Now, we can clearly see that Babel was scattered, but he went on to build other cities afterwards. So that tells us that he started over again. You know, in Genesis 10, 10, it tells us, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and then Erech and Akkad and Kalneh in the land of Shina, right? You know, so Erech meant, uh, means to be long or make long, or it speaks to length, Akkad, vessel or subtle, Kalneh, fortress of Anu, you know, <clears throat> Now, we should at least consider the fact that what Yah did in Babel, what he did for the first time since, since that time has been undone within our day and time. We're the only people on the planet since he done that to live in a time where what he did has been undone. Yeah. He went to Babel and he scattered them by confusing the languages. That has been undone today via AI, yeah. via artificial intelligence. Now you have to understand this, mm. you know, because these things, you know, don't happen by happenstance. They're not arbitrary. Amen? You know, so for the first time since those days, prior to Babel, the world is essentially of one tongue again. Hmm. You know, through AI, we have voice translators. This one here supports 45 countries' languages. Mm. And prints them out on the screen. Mm. This one, you know, supports just as many or more, but it speaks to you. Mm -hmm. You speak to it and it speaks to you. Mm -hmm. So you set what language you wanted to hear in and you said what language you wanted to speak in. So if you're in, if you're in Spain, then you said it to Spanish, you know, and it'll hear in Spanish and then it'll speak to you in English or vice versa. If you prefer, 
But what I'm trying to show you and what I'm trying to get across to you is that what Yah has had done and during the time of the Tower of Babel has effectively been undone in our day and time. And this is the first time that it has been so since the doing of the scrambling of the languages. Mm. Do you think we're living in a special time? If that's not enough to convince you, I don't know what it is. Hmm. Only one thing's missing. Hmm. Only one piece to the puzzle is missing. It's not there. What is it? Anyone? Not a tower bill. What's the tower? People. Yeah, the tower made from bricks. The tower is the platform from which the false gospel goes from. You know, it's the it's the so-called church. It's all of those churches that have an eye-opening doctrine that you can get to the kingdom of heaven without going through Yahshua. Hmm. Or that you can get through the kingdom to the kingdom of heaven without obeying Yahshua or Yah as a whole. Any of those are a part of that Tower of Babel, that platform, that pulpit that is preaching another gospel. Yeah. It started way back during the time of the apostles. Mm -hmm. This is what Galatians is about. Mm -hmm. They were starting another gospel even back then. Yeah. It tells us that right in the text, does it not? Yep. The only thing that's missing is one world order. That's the only thing that's missing. You see, Nimrod was king. And all the people that was of all one tongue, they were all his followers. You know, and that and, and all the, the peoples of the world was in one centralized location from the time of the flood. They branched out a little bit, but they was all in basically one centralized location. This is why you see Yah scattering them all over the face of the earth so that they wouldn't just be in that one centralized location, making it therefore, thereby making it much, much more difficult to perform or to uh, bring about a one world order, especially when you didn't have, when you didn't have, uh, uh, you know, ships and planes, you know, and and automobiles, different types of transportation. So it made the world a much larger place, much more difficult to control other peoples. Make sense? This is the only thing that's missing. Once this is in place, it'll be nothing short of what existed during the time 
of Nimrod. And we know that this is on the agenda. All you got to do is look on the back of your money. It says it right there on the back of the money, New World Order. So we know that this is an agenda. We know this is something that they're working towards. And now you can understand why. Because when they get there, nothing will be impossible for them to do once they're united. And once they, because the, the, the bridge, the language, the language barrier has already been bridged. So they'll be right back in the same situation whereby nothing can stop them except for Yah. And of course he will. But I want you to be able to see how these things are coming together. You know, because at the end of the day, the only resistance to these things are the true believers. And there's just a spoonful of us. But that's all y'all need. That's right. Amen. So lastly, let us reconsider the tower that, that they were building. For the story seems to point to this tower being built as the culprit that caused Yah to intervene. You know, when we look at the story, we see that it was it was clearly this tower that Yah took exception to. This is what caused them to intervene because, you know, this tower is what was being utilized to get into the kingdom of heaven by another way, not Yah's way, by a man-made way. So we can safely say this due to Yah not interfering with any subsequent cities, which didn't have towers trying to reach heaven. Those other cities it says he made, it don't say nothing about Yah coming down and intervening, right? It was only the one with the tower that was trying to reach heaven. That was the problem. Wasn't so much of them making the cities. It was the tower trying to reach heaven. The tower or pulpit of Babel, which translates to the pulpit of confusion. That was the problem. That was the draw card for the city. And if it drew no one else, it drew Yah's attention. Now, with a little thought and research, it becomes clear that the issue that Yah had with the Tower of Babel wasn't that it was trying to reach the kingdom of heaven, but rather that it was made from man-made bricks stuck together with mortar. Bitumen, which we spoke of, represents wickedness. See, this was the whole problem. Because, you know, Y'all has a problem with these bricks and mortar. That's what he has a problem with. He has a problem with man taking his creation and shaping it and forming it and fashioning it into something else. That's what he has a problem with. He has a problem, you know, with them turning his people into something else as well as taking their minds and their wheels and shaping and forming them into something other than what he made, which is what we see happening today. Amen? Say lie on that one. Mm -hmm. 
So the problem is that process of making bricks, it strips man of his free will. And the holding, the holding of them together with, with mortal wickedness, the which Yah will not tolerate. So that's the whole problem. It's this brainwashing. It's this making people believe what you want them to believe. It's one thing to present to them a notion and give them the free will to choose whether or not to, to believe or not believe, to follow or not to follow. That's one thing. But when you start making them do it, that's when y'all step in. Because now you're messing with what he gave man, which is free will. Whenever we see brick and mortar or even just bricks mentioned in scripture, we also find that Yah is upset. And there's not very many places that it's found. We see it in Exodus 1.14. It says, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. Speaking about the Egyptians. You know, so we see in Misraim that they had brick and mortar. Hmm. And what did y'all do to Misraim? He wasn't, he, he didn't take kindly to that, did he? A matter of fact, it's when they start doing that is when he started making an effort to bring them out. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yes. That's when he started sending Moshe to start working the miracle signs and wonders, right? You need to think about that because history repeats itself, amen? Then consider Yeshayahu 65, one through five, it says, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good. After their own thoughts, a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens and burn, burn of incense upon altars of break, which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things in their vessels, which say, stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. These are smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. Can you see that y'all was upset with them because they were sacrificing upon altars of brick you know, and that's what's, what we see now today. That's what we saw during the time of the Yahudim. And this is um, who he's speaking to. He's speaking to Israel, natural Israel um, as a whole, especially, especially um, the Yahudim where the priests were, the land in, um, where the priests were, because they were doing the same thing. Their oral law was shaping and molding the people into something that Yah didn't ordain. You know, and so Yah was upset about that and we see he did something about it, did he not? Mm -hmm. 
Also consider Yeshayahu um, 9, verses 8 through 16. It says that Adonai sent the word into Yaakov, and it lighted upon Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria, that say in the pride and in the stoutness of heart, the bricks are falling down. We will build with hewn stones. They just don't get it. They just don't get it. Y'all didn't want anything made with hewn stones no more than he did with bricks. Because the bricks are man-made and the hewn stones are man-made. They say the sycamore trees are cut down, but we will change them into cedar. Therefore, Yahuwah set up the adversaries of resin against him and joined his enemies together, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with open mouth. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For the people turn up not unto him that smite of them, nor do they seek Yahuwah's Zavahot. Therefore, Yahuwah will cut off from Israel head and tail, branch and rush in one day. The ancient and honorable, he is the head, the prophet that teacheth lies, he is the tail. <laughs> For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they are led of them that are destroyed. Can't you see every time bricks or bricks and mortar are mentioned, Yah is upset with these people. He do not want no one shaping and molding the bodies and, and minds of his people. That's what he does. He made them the way he wanted them. And how dare someone change his creation? You know, so, you know, it's important. It's actually imperative that we understand these things because these things are going on now today. They're making bricks. You know, and they're now, building cities and they're building this tower of Babel. And spiritually speaking, in today's time, they're shaping and forming the minds of the, of the people. And the people are ignorant to it. You know, and the leaders of today's people caused them to err. You know, because they're being taught wrong. They've been formed and fashioned and made to believe things that are not true. And the people who are doing it know what they're doing. They know full well what they're doing and they, they know or they believe they know the implications of it. They think it's going to be to their reward. But Yah has other plans. As I like to say, man plan and Yah plans without the two, Yah is the master plan. They're going to be in for a rude awakening. You know, but I want you all to know. And so that you can look out for these things. That's all I have for you today. Prayer was a blessing. Yeah.